Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Good day and welcome to Extreme Common Sense with your hosts, Trisden and Ray. We hope to leave some of the social polarization behind and dig into the gray area middle of society and politics. When the far left and the far right hate us, we will have succeeded. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to Extreme Common Sense. I'm Trisden. Hello, Trisden. I'm Ray. Along with Ray, my good friend Ray. And today we're going to talk a little bit about and see if we can find a little bit of middle ground on the withdrawal from Afghanistan. I don't know if this is going to be topical when you folks listen to this, but nonetheless, I think we've seen this in Iraq now where the withdrawal wasn't great. Of course, in Vietnam, which was a touch before yeah. me, and you may have been a kid to see a little of that. Yeah, no, I remember it. But uh, but yeah, hopefully, I mean, I think, again, it's the same same folks, right? You jump on your Facebook and the Democrat people are blaming Trump and Bush and the Republican people are blaming Joe Biden, the current president. And of course... Well, Joe Biden has some blame. I mean, he is the president. Well, you know, Ray, I watched, uh, you know, I watched the Sunday news shows. Of course, the Donald Trump would call the fake news, you know, <laughs> the mainstream news. Chuck Todd. Yeah, and... and this was my thing this week. Boy, they forgot to tell them how left-wing they were this week because they were really taking Biden a task. Like, yes. There was a lot of people that were spending a lot of time on both sides of the aisle bashing the heck out of Joe. And some deservedly so because sure. it's not going great. But I do, when you see that, I and, and, and there may be a hundred examples, I just don't know. When was the – from 2016, January 2016 through – January 2020, when did Fox bash Trump? Not often. I mean, I think... Often? At all? Uh, trying to be... That's what I'm, I'm saying. Trying there may to, have been. Yeah, and I mean... And, and that shouldn't be lost on people. Like, you know, they right. can beat up fake media all they want, but they were killing them, man. Killing yeah. them. And, and, and some yeah. of it deservedly so. Sure. You know? But they were beating them up pretty good. I agree with you. I watched a lot of that, too. And, you know... Yeah. And, and I... I think you have to give some credit to the left for that. I mean, I still think That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Mainstream, without saying it, yeah, right. Mainstream news is still the most credible source of news. Like there is some bias, and there is still some gatekeeping, but it's still better than Uncle Joe's, you know, YouTube page. It, it just really is. is. I mean, because uh, I mean, hundreds of people would lose jobs if you're reporting total garbage in mainstream news. If Uncle Joe's YouTube page says, you know, masks cause cancer. He's not losing his job. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, this is an example. And it's, what, eight months in now to the presidency, six months in? Um, and there is blame to go around. I mean, Afghanistan is a really, you know, uh, complicated situation. And I don't think anybody, very few in America, other than uh, maybe munitions manufacturers wanted to stay there. Nobody right. wanted to stay. That's true. And I don't think getting out was ever going to be anything but a bit of a cluster. I think that's the problem, right? And it's, you know, it reminds me of Saturday Night Live. They say it's really easy to write a skit on Saturday Night Live, but it's really hard to find a good ending for a three-minute story. Mm. So that's sort of like one of the writer's that's great. Like known that's things. That's a great point. It's, yeah, it's just really hard to end them. And I think ah. that's just sort of the case with these wars. Like, yeah, we can get in there. Yeah, we have the military power to run your country. We have enough knowledge to do that. 
But there is a point where we have to leave, and we don't seem to have that figured out yet right. anywhere in any point. Yeah, and how do you leave in any way that doesn't um, put somebody uh, or make someone vulnerable? Right. And vulnerability. The, yeah. I mean, and, oh, man, I, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but, you know, with what women are fearing right now as to could be what their reality is in six months. I mean, it's there's no there's no good answer. But, like, we can't just occupy these countries forever. Is there any part of you that would love to see um, any Western journalist? Uh, it could be Hannity. I, I, I don't care um, who does the interviewing. Preferably not, but okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, I will fall on that side. See some Taliban leaders interviewed. I'd love to see them interviewed. Make it a, make it a British journalist. Take it out of the realm of America and just sit with them and, and, and actually – because, you know, you, you uh, stereotype and you beat them up and they could be – horrible people but to your point about you know there should be a voice for everything um you know adolf hitler got votes so somebody liked him but i I just what do they represent what is it that they want you know because there's that part of me that thinks if we would just leave they which we're doing or or leave them yeah you know can't we just sort of say hey man we're seven thousand miles apart you guys do your thing we'll do ours and never the twain shall meet well, and that sort of seems like maybe what Pompeo and the Trump administration was trying sort to do. Of worked out, yeah. you know, to their credit, I guess. At yeah, least to they their credit, attempted to set some ground rules and and try to come up with, uh, you know, a semi workable way that they could get their country back and we could get out the heck out. And, of it. and the thing that never gets spoken about is, and I don't want to sound like I'm pro Taliban here. I'm not making any <laughs> argument for the Taliban. Now you do have a Taliban flag I, in well, your garage. Yeah, okay, shh, I've seen it. Shh. And yes, uh, and some interesting <laughs> headwear. But um, they, the Taliban, delivered some for the Afghani people. When the Russians pulled out, right. things fractured, and the tribes were going at one another. And the Taliban came in and put forth some order. Now they did it in a heavy-handed way, obviously. But there were people who said, "Good, we're not shooting at each other." At least, you know, almost like Tito when, you know, post World War II, keeping the Serbs and the Croatians apart. Right? He was able to separate them, and of course, it all went to hell. After he died. But there was some of that with the Taliban. And, and obviously, there were people in Afghanistan who remembered that and said, yeah, we're, we, we're willing to have them back. Yeah. No, I think, you know, and again, the, the folks who were who we have trained now for two decades weren't willing to even stand up and fight against the Taliban, at least in no, any reasonable the, numbers. Well, and, and the Taliban apparently had cut a lot of deals, right? They had gone to these chieftains and these tribal leaders and said, hey, you know what? We don't want to shoot you guys, but you've got all those American weapons. How about if we pay you for them, thereby arming themselves, and then giving the village pretty good m- chunk of money? They didn't just go in and steal them from them. That's so true. now you've engendered some goodwill because you've paid people for you know, for things they didn't need because they didn't have to defend themselves now because yeah. the Taliban's going to be the, the government in charge. And they've already told you that if you play with us on this or, you know, work with us on this, we won't attack. And so they said for probably eight months after Pompeo had that agreement, because they sort of shunned the Afghan government, right? They basically said, ah, you guys, let us talk to the people that are probably going to be in charge. Well, those guys are all smart. So the Taliban was like, oh, man, if we can just bide our time here. So while biding that time, they were purchasing these weapons, which is why they're all armed now with M16s. Wow, smart. And yeah. I wasn't even aware of that. Yeah, pretty smart. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. And kind of smart for the tribal leaders, too, because why fight them? <laughs> Right. Yeah. The, the Americans are gone. We're not going to have them backing us. So why are we going to fight these guys? Yeah. And 
And the question I have, why, and again, there's no real easy answer to this because, you know, time will tell. But did, yes. you, did you see the Taliban leader uh, press conference? Where there was a woman interviewing him? Because well, that was kind of a big deal. I, I don't know if it he was sat, He sat like we're sitting now with a woman, and they were like, oh, yeah. my God. Now, she, you know, she was in, in, in full, um, um, I, I don't know, you, you, you and I as Westerners always sound like we're picking on them, but the headdress and everything, and I'm sure that's the wrong term. But nonetheless, he was speaking with a female. And that is a pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. And so my hope, and I, you know, I'm sure everybody's hope, regardless of politics, is is there a chance that they will step in and be somewhat reasonable? Right. I mean, is there a chance that they won't just behead all these people and they will allow women to work? Which is what they said. They said the time for fighting is over. It's a time for peace. And uh, we want women also to work. Now, does that mean... They probably expect women to run for president. I assume not. No, probably not. But I mean, even you know, I mean, compared to where just it was, allowing him to teach or, right. or or be journalists, yeah. would be a huge step. And as think. you said before, credit before you know before all the fingers are pointed and the arrows are slung, um, credit to Trump and Pompeo who wanted to get out, and I'm sure Trump was working off the fact that he was going to be reelected, right, or in his mind. You would assume. Well, <laughs> since he thinks he was anyway. Uh, indeed. Um, so he's figuring he's got another four years, so I'll start this ball rolling and we'll pull troops out. And whether it was Trump or Biden, it was going to be ugly. But yeah, credit to him because they realized that the people who were going to fill the vacuum was probably not going to be the Afghan sitting government. It was going to be the Taliban. Right. You know, we'll have whatever their intelligence showed them. So they went to him and said, you know, because there's that picture of Pompeo and that Taliban leader, M- Mulad, I think his name is. And they're they're again, like you and I are sitting now and they're talking, shaking hands. And, you and certainly, that was back in September, I think. Was that? Yeah. Okay. So almost a year now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you do just, I mean, you hope for peace for those people and you hope the women of those countries, goodness, that country that's can. The truth. They, I mean, they just, good Lord, they have, you know been through so much between Russia and the U.S. and all the infighting amongst themselves. And, you know, ISIS can't stand uh, Al-Qaeda and Al-Qaeda can't stand the Taliban. And, you know, they just, you know, man, oh, man. They say one of the things about Native Americans when the white man came to North America is that they could never band together the tribes. They always were in conflict with each other. Right. So, you know, nothing's new. And had they been able to, you know, had the Cherokee been able to get along with the Blackfoot or with the Apache, they might have been able to to beat back the the white man's uh, colonialism. But they couldn't because they were too busy fighting amongst themselves. So the more things change. Right. Yeah. And I think in this case, too, you know, us lefties, we love our Obama. But, you know, Obama did the easy thing, which was let's just keep funding this thing. You know, Obama wanted us to not be... In Afghanistan. Oh, you know, he's got some blame, too. And I'm sure yeah. Trump wanted us to not be in Afghanistan. Yeah, right. and, and which, you know, Trump did kick the can down the road a little bit. Obama kicked it for eight years. He did. You know, it, there was never going to be a right time to leave. There just wasn't. And so, and credit to, to Biden. He knew this would not be a cakewalk. He may not have envisioned it going quite I don't think he envisioned it quite this poorly. And, and right. it looked like for a couple of days it was starting to go and then kind of the poop hit the fan again. And, you know, it, once they started handing babies over to U.S. Oh, Marines, geez. that was just like the worst optic you could have. Because that's a mother. So that's like Sophie's choice. I mean, come on, man. You're just saying, I may never see my kid again, but he or she's going to have a better life than what they'd have here. That's just awful. Yeah. And talk about teeing one up. For Fox News, I mean, 
<laughs> yeah. Come on now. Yeah. Do you see this? I think they just had a, a still frame of that for 48 hours <laughs> yeah. on Fox News with a scroll. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. No, and it, it's sad. And, you know, I, I heard on, I guess it was Meet the Press, but one of the Sunday shows this week, they said that they have been telling Americans, you know, basically everybody that this was going to happen. I think in, they started doing that in May, telling people it's time to go. Now, who like, was telling uh, the State Department. Oh, was telling. Was telling our not, people. Not us, but the, correct. Okay, right. We right. were saying, time to get out. Let's mm, not right. put this off. Right, so right. then everybody waited around and waited around, and now it's sort of chaotic. When, if, you know, if what they say is exactly true, if folks would have started getting out six months ago, it wouldn't be to the point that it is right now. Yeah. Well, but then they said that the Afghan government didn't want that to happen. The sitting government in Afghan in Afghanistan didn't want that to happen because they didn't want to look weak and they didn't want to look as though they weren't in charge. So there's so many tentacles that nobody really looks at, you know, and some might say, well, you wouldn't be saying that. Well, my sister, I've been, I text with my extremely right-wing sister in New Jersey, you know, you would never be saying that if Trump were president. No, I would be. I mean, because there is plenty of blame. It's not any individual. It was going to be, it was going to be a bad scene regardless of which president to the point you just made i think biden does deserve some kudos in the fact that he did it but now he's responsible for doing it because he did it and it's not going so great right and a president is only as powerful as his military intelligence also and i think the word was you know We've probably got a year or eight months or fourteen months that the and Afghans would at least put up some, some resistance. Fight I summer. think I think they thought eight to twelve months anyway. Correct. If the Taliban was going to take over, they had a window, and that window evaporated. It was like a less than a week, right? Fingers. Like it was just almost run away, immediate. run away. Yeah, yeah. that, oh that was. And I don't even know if that's American intel. That's just. I mean, I guess it is ultimately because you have to know if 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 it can be written about in hindsight, then there should be some foresight. But like I said, those deals that were being made with the local chieftains is something that should have been considered. Uh, the fact that the Afghan uh, government, the sitting government, was worried about looking weak should have been, you know, a, a, a vapor clue. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to it. But now we're still in the midst of it. And as you said, we're not exactly sure when this episode will air. But, you know, right now, it's it's the lead story on the news Yeah, right now. And, and again, to my greater point from the beginning, you know, we should have known in 2003 at some point how we were going to get out of it. Right. And we didn't know how to get out of Iraq when, you know, during the last Iraq war. And obviously we didn't, didn't know, know how, how to, to get out of Vietnam. Vietnam. And then, and now this, I mean, there's just got to be some kind of something they're not teaching at West Point. Huh. Something that well, we're Well, obviously wrong. it's the hardest part of it to your analogy about writing a skit. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I never really thought about that, but the hardest part of a skit is getting out of it. Yeah. What takes us home. Yeah. So, and we've got to be able And to a lot of them don't do that well. A lot of the skits just right. kind they, of they end. They do fizzle, fizzle out. They just yeah. fizzle out. Yeah. That's they it. don't really have an ending. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the, I just remember this is so ingrained in my huh. mind from uh, the Iraq war at the end of it, you know, watching a, a 2020 or a news program. And, you know, it was just all these translators that we left over there that were just beheaded and murdered after. Right. And you just feel like, how are these people that are fighting for us in these foreign countries, how do we not have them taken care of post-war? Right. So again, like we should just have, there should be a manual written by top generals that we just know we have to get these people out first. We can't 
Just go, because all that's doing is creating terrorism. Like these people's well, children yeah. are how you engender hatred. Yeah, correct. So right. you you've been on our side, and then you watched your family get you watched us leave your family to get right. murdered. What do you think? And that is how are? you engender hatred. Yes. So we're and breeding it, our own terrorists. We're yeah. breeding our own future enemies. Right, and that can also be used as a recruitment tool. Absolutely. For people on that side, look what they did to you. It's not hard to do. Yeah, you helped them for twenty years, and then they just left you. But, That's the type of people. That's what. Yeah. But there's another irony with uh, where refugees go. Right. We're fighting this battle on our southern border that is hard political lines, right? Biden's getting beaten up over his terrible immigration policy. Now, these are the people they are going to turn around and say, sure, we'll take 100,000, 200,000 Afghans. Yeah. I mean, right? Yeah. It's, it's kind of some hypocrisy there. Yeah. So we've got to have a plan, I think. You know, we've just, we've, we've got to say, when, when we go into these countries, you know, and I don't know what these numbers are, and I don't know where you store refugees or, you know, keep these folks. You know, that's why these people make $300,000 a year. You know, you're in charge of this. We have to find a way to do this that is not just political fodder. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think one of the great things about at least attempting to sort of see from the other side, and of course, we're going to have our biases completely, but this is a lot of George W. Bush's fault, a lot of Obama's fault, a lot of Trump's fault, and now certainly visually the optics for Joe Biden. He has to, he has to take a lot of blame too. So, so I don't think it's fair to jump on Facebook in either party or you know any social media and just try to make this a one party issue. Sure. This is a America issue. This right. is a, a you know politics. And overwhelmingly, people wanted to get out. So overwhelmingly, people think it's the right move, Correct. including Republicans, you know, conservative Republicans. It's just that the optic now is terrible. But you know. Only maybe, I think less than one in four. There's like 77% of polled Americans wanted to get out of Afghanistan. So from that standpoint, you're working, you know, in a, in a good sense because you're working for something that we all wanted. It's just right. that how, you know, you get there. And I mean, there's still time, right? You still have to get those Americans out. It doesn't seem to be that the Taliban necessarily is shooting. Um, there have been some vacuums open open up, though, where you've got, you know, people like Al-Qaeda apparently coming in or ISIS. And so that's another whole mess. Right. But you got to get the Americans out first and then help as many Afghans who want out as you can, I think, is where you got to go with it. Yeah. Did you, did you see that report that they're even talking about trying to get commercial airlines to fly in? Oh, I saw that... Um Today or yesterday, that yeah, that they had requisitioned the uh, airlines to send planes. See, I think that's a, I think that's a thing, War Powers Act or something. That we're yeah. going to show our naivete here, but you know, the federal government can has a lot of power. Right. They can step in and, and and mandate, right? Yeah. Well, they could before social media, you know, and now it's just too political to yeah actually come together as a country to do anything. But you know, yeah, I'm obviously being facetious. Yes, there there are a lot of war powers that the president and uh, you know our our country has. But to the earlier point, are we ever going to have eighty percent of people that say that's a good idea? Let's go. Yeah, I mean that's I about as know. close as we got. You know, the, the the agreement that we should get out of Afghanistan, but right. now it's devolved because it hasn't gone smoothly, and so now it's aha. See, Joe's senile. I hate that Joe's senile crap, man. You guys got to stop with that. So I tell my sister too. When when it's to me, it's part of the reason he won the election because when something is demonstratively provable to be wrong, 
it comes down more on the accuser than the accused. If you keep saying Joe's senile and he's obviously not, it really doesn't help your case. Right. And also, to the point that I'm sure everybody on the left knows, I'm not sure everybody on the right knows or cares to know, he's got a speech impediment. He like He's, has he's had a lifetime stutter. Life. Right. So, you know, a lot of what you're seeing when he's, you know, when he's struggling to get a word out. He was doing that when he was 30. Right. He doesn't have a brain. Well, I'm, I don't, don't know if that's a brain issue technically, but it's not a uh, yeah, he's not senile. Yeah. He's not, I mean, no, he's a stutterer. I would like to see any of these folks, any of the, the Fox News, I hate everything crowd. Let me see you throw on a tie at, you know, 80 years old and go give an hour address to any, you know. Yeah, he does it well. He does uh, it I mean, very I think he well. Does, he, he, he does it well, yeah. And, and I think to that point, you and I weren't, you know, I don't think Biden was either of our first picks to, to be president, but uh, but he, he does deserve a chance. Like, let's, sure. let's find a little... little uh, a, a lot of experience. A lot of experience. A he's done it for a long time, and, he, and he's not done anything really bad, you know, it's hard to become president, especially at his age, like to not have the type of skeletons in a closet from legislating in the 60s and 70s. Well, I mean, that, there are some. I mean, he, you know, there's he, some things for he, sure. Uh, He's not perfect. No, but. I mean, I mean, he was uh, he was friendly with some of those Southerners who were former Klansmen. But we're going back to when Biden was, you know, who's one of the youngest, maybe I think in the top five youngest uh, people ever elected to the Senate. I want to say he was there by age 30. And, um, all right. So this is going back. Uh, I mean, he's 78, so early seventies. Right. And if you had befriended a Senator, um, who's as old as Biden is now, which happens all the time in the Senate. I mean, you're talking about a guy who maybe was born in 1900. So, you know, or, or or maybe even 1895. Right. Right. So, so you're going back a little ways and there, you know, you know, there was definitely an association of the Dixiecrat, you know, the, the blue dog Democrats, the Southern Democrats and the Klan. There was, they, they were, you know, the, the South was all democratic. That's who elected FDR. That's the other thing I think a lot of people miss uh, off the topic of Afghanistan a little bit, but the democratic party of the thirties and forties was a Southern party. The South of America, they were that was nothing but Democrats down here, because F and that's what got FDR elected because they were, you know, fans of the working man. The Democratic Party of the '30s and '40s and '50s was a blue collar party, right? Right. And the Republican Party. I grew up in New Jersey, and it was just one Republican governor after another. Why? Because it's a very wealthy state, and the Republicans were the you know, affluent party. Right. And that's sort of how, to, how it broke down. Now, that started to change with Newt, right, with Gingrich when he came in, a Southern man who was a Republican and the whole culture wars and all that. But Franklin Delano Roosevelt's four elections were won on the backs of Southerners, which is why the TVA was founded and all the works programs down here in the South. That was a payback from Roosevelt for getting him elected four times. So those guys were still hanging around in the 70s. They were starting to literally die out. But but yes, there was some connection to the Klan. Robert Byrd, the famous West Virginia senator, one of the longest serving, maybe the longest serving ever. Actually, I think Mitch may now have broken that. Yeah, I think I Mitch think may right. be the longest serving senator. That's crazy. That is amazing. But Robert Byrd had an early affiliation and with the Ku Klux Klan. legislated until, Jesus, the early 2000s Absolutely. Or he was there they forever. Kept, and they but, said he was literally like a... Um, a, a, you know, a dictionary of Senate law. Like he could just talk forever on, you know, Senate protocol. Yeah. And I could never sit behind a mic, of course, and say any affiliation with 
the Ku Klux Klan, you know, it should be excused. No, but I'm saying th- this, when they accuse Biden of it, it's right. those guys. Yes, he was friendly with those guys, you yeah. know. Well, well but I, I guess my point would have been, okay, of course, if you work with people who happen to be affiliated, you know, in our government that are just, you know, tied to these really awful things, what's he supposed to do? Walk out and, you know. I mean, he had right. to work with these people. Exactly. But, and, and he and, is an affable man. He's a friendly guy. Right. You know? But I think the thing, with, a recurring theme for us is cancel culture. And, you know, because you talk to somebody who right. affiliated with, right. who knew somebody, right. you know, you just have to learn from your mistakes. Do I think Joe Biden is a racist? No. Do I think, uh, you know, Donald or, uh, Joe Biden is affiliated with the Klan? Of course not. You know, did he probably have to legislate it sometime with people who, I guess, had these affiliations because people in the South continued to elect these folks for 40 years after they, they should did. have been elected? They did. So, I mean, I guess you have to try to find what little common ground you can to legislate. Now, in a perfect world, would you want your president to ever have a connection? No. Right. I mean, there's a lot of awful racist things that you could sort and probably – Every president's passed with the exception, I would assume, of Barack Obama. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great point. And, and, that's, uh, and that stuff does get cherry-picked. And when they want to call Joe, a, you know, aha, he's a racist. He, he was, uh, he, you know, well, there's a great word and I can't think of it. But, you know, he was surrounding himself with racists, uh, you know, whatever. I don't think that's the case. No, I don't think so. And Consorting. He was consorting. Well, and that's what you just, you know, you just want to bang your head against a wall now with social media because it is just literally my party's so great and infallible, your party full of losers and jerks and whatever. But I just think anybody with enough sense to do any research, there's a lot of blame to go around on both parties. You're, you're just trying to figure out which group of mediocrity that right. you can sustain. Well, it makes the most sense to you. Yeah, it's also kind of small-minded when you do that. But. It is. But you just see so much more of that. I, you know, I felt like when I grew up in the 80s and 90s, you know, you may not like the other party, but it was like, ah, those guys, you know. It, but there was an overwhelming sense of we're all Americans and, you know, we oh, just yeah. disagree. And yeah, I, I, I used to hear a lot of, oh, you'll grow into the this party or that party or, you know, you, you just you haven't been educated yet. Kind of this, this is kind of a small minded packet people who were from a different party. But now it's just it went from that to this is my buddy. We don't agree to man, we can't be friends. Oh, exactly. And, it, you know. Probably both of us in this room have had relationships that have at least been scarred from politics, if not sure. ruined in, in our families. Yeah. You know, and we're pretty reasonable. You know, right. we're not the guys that are going to come at you and make you choose your friendship or your party. Right. We can find some common ground. And that's not good enough for some people. Oh, some no. people are pretty extreme now. And, I, and that had to have been, um, you know, just multiplied during Trump's run. Well, I think he perpetuated that so much, and 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 credit where it's due. You know, he he's good at it. He's good at it. He was very divisive, and he spit out a lot of hate. Like there wasn't a lot of his rallies and speeches where he would say, "Let's find some middle ground and get some work done." You know, no. it was throw him in jail and fire him and you know punch him and get him out of here. I'll I'll, no, I'll pay a, your bill. And see, that's exactly right. And he knew that that would sell. I mean, I still, we're way off Afghanistan, but that, that, that still, I think, remains the 
question of this age that we cannot answer because we're in it, right? But historians we're gonna, are going to look, and, and that question is, what exactly was that appeal? And I think more importantly, how broad was it? How many people thought, yeah, he's right? I think more than you or I think. No, I agree with you. And I, you know, I was talking, you know, we occasionally talk about our families here. I was talking to my stepdad today, who I'm very concerned has COVID. You know, I called him up. He's like, oh, man, I'm sick. I can't hardly breathe. Big guy, smoker. Like, man, Dennis, you, you got to go get checked out. Oh, it's just the same cold I get every year. I'm like, mm. oh, my gosh. But Dennis, God love God love him. You know, he's uh, he's this guy. He basically raised me. He's never watched a political show in his life. Wow. Never into politics, you know, no interest whatsoever. But Trump spoke to him, you mm-hmm. know, just rural, southern, you know, just there was something about his brash bravado right. that, you know, people can relate to. I mean, yeah. people, you know, you've seen politicians for 100 years give these speeches and, you, you know, you're watching every word and it's so you're so cautious and scripted. And you have a guy that says, lock her up, you know, build the damn wall. And, you know, there is... That has an appeal to folks that, you know, it's a it's a reality show. Donald Trump is yeah, an entertainer. Yeah, it sure was. So I think for a lot of people sure that was. didn't have interest in politics, certainly brought him in. So Yeah. So oh, well, he did. World. Yeah, yeah. He, he absolutely did. And, and, and that's a real-life example. That's somebody who you can cite, and that happened so much. And, it's, and, it, and it did lend itself to, we're good, you're bad. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that... That that's more recent. I don't think that. I think that's social media driven. I think Trump knew how to drive that yeah. narrative on social media. Right. But man, that is this, just the destruction of this country yeah. in some ways. It, I it mean, has we, been. We, again, the reason we're doing the podcast is hopefully we can go back to at least at some point some social driven phenomenon will help us to find yep. some common ground. I think that's right, and I, I think we can close out. I mean, Afghanistan is just such a tough, tough topic. It would have been tough for whoever did it. Biden right. has gotten himself in some hot water. He's got to suffer the slings and arrows. I think he gets some credit for forging ahead in spite of that, and uh, and now we'll see. You know, hopefully it won't tear apart his entire administration. But I don't think so. I mean. <laughs> If there's anything I learned from Trump is that literally anything political can be overcame. Yeah, right. There's not a lot of, you know, stuff is not going to, like, especially in Joe Biden's camp, in his camp, nobody's going to care. And it is easy to say, well, wouldn't have had the war if it wasn't for Bush. You know, wouldn't have had the war if it wasn't for, or, you know, wouldn't be pulling out if it wasn't for Trump. So it is easy to just shift blame instead of saying, well, look, we did withdraw horribly. We do need to find a way to do that in the future. But... It started bad as well. Right. It could have ended 14 years ago. Like, we should be able to say, and probably people sitting at a bar over a beer can say, yeah, our side did this part a little bad. Right. Because there is a lot of blame to go around. Right. But it's just not one of those situations that it's really fair to say, you know, it's 100% a Democrat or a Biden or a, you know, Trump issue. There's plenty of blame to go around, and that doesn't exclude uh, Biden, Obama, or a, a lot of Democrat no. lawmakers. No, sure. and, we, and we really would love to be able to bring those disparate sides together and, and talk like you're in a bar, you know, having a beer and just say, yeah, you know what, eh, this could have gone better, this was okay, just doesn't happen much. No. And, I think and, that's what we're trying for here. Yeah, and, and people can't anymore. You no. know, people just get, you know, and, and – People on the right say that about the people on the left and the, the safe spaces, and they're so offended all the time. But 
man, that really goes both ways. Yeah. I mean, people. Oh, it does. I mean, look at the the anti-maskers. They are some angry people, right. man. They are so upset. Yeah. It's just both sides are so offended. Going back to the individualism from last episode, people just want what they want when they want it because they're Americans. But to be fair, and because I know this personally, won't name any names, but there's some people whose politics uh, are, are either left or way left who just thought, you know, that any – any objection to mask wearing or vaccination, those were just terrible people and stupid people. That's not the case either. Sure. There's no, I, fair uh, dissent. I think it's normal, more so for the vaccine. I mean, I understand. More so for the vaccine. Right? Like, yeah, you. I understand not wanting a shot. I understand if you aren't a scientific person and you haven't read the numbers and the efficacy it's scary to go get a shot if you're not completely educated on what's going on. Absolutely. But early on in the pandemic with the mask thing, it's a little easier to strap on some dumb piece of cloth. It is. But uh, but, but, it, but, but no, I don't, I don't begrudge people for being scared of a vaccine or right. anything to do with their body. But like smoking, sometimes you have to do what's right for everybody else and stop smoking right. in well, the damn bar yeah, because yeah. there's people with lung that's, issues. That's another example. That was just a complete, you know, resocialization. I mean, we all remember, even you 20 years younger than me remember when people smoked. And it's a oh, yeah. very good, um, you, you know, it's been it's been a very good change. Yes. No, that, that I... I remember the night that that went into effect. Yeah. And that was the time I was a young, single fellow that would go to clubs and bars. And it was just the best. I mean, literally just going from this wafty, smoky oh, yeah. room to like, oh, my God, you can breathe. Yeah. And I was so nice. Yeah. No, it was a very And it was good a good change, you know. Good change. Just, you drag these people kicking and screaming. And you don't want to over-regulate anything. That's what America's not about. Right. And again, if you right. want to smoke, go to your house where you have that's the freedom right. to Nobody's do that. That's right. Nobody's telling like, you not to you smoke. You don't have to And go. I would – and you and I would both say that's absolutely ridiculous. I'm sure there's people, far lefties, who's, oh, you can't smoke anywhere. I actually had this discussion with my sister-in-law. People are free to smoke. They can't smoke around you, but, you know, no, absolutely no one should smoke. Who are you to say no one should smoke? I mean, that's, you know, if somebody wants to smoke in their house, have at it. Or their backyard. I mean, it's a little crazy to take it to that extreme. But we probably need to wrap up. So back to Afghanistan. Everybody has some blame. blame. Biden right now has to suffer whatever consequence comes his way because it's not going swimmingly well. Right. And hopefully moving forward, they can figure that out. And as I said, with no disrespect to the Afghan folks, but we do have to get whatever Americans are left. I think it's maybe 3,000 now. It's not not an insurmountable number. And then do whatever we can to help the Afghans left behind, the translators and so forth, the folks that work for us. True. And – you know, again, to knock Biden, this is something we should have planned for every, you know, every option or everything that could have went wrong. We should have had these folks out, even yeah. if even if there was a 0.1% chance that yeah. it could have went this bad. Because no, I that's think right. every worst case scenario happened in this with I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think so, yes. So, All right, Triz, where can people find us? Uh, hopefully, you can jump on Facebook and check us out, uh, Trisden and Ray, Extreme Common Sense. You're probably going to disagree with a lot of what we said, so jump on and tell us how stupid we are. Please. If you happen to agree, wouldn't mind that either. No. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week.